Let's go to Joshua chapter 3. We've been traveling for three weeks. I think this is our fourth week. I took some time off in November and a week of vacation and then about 10 days to try to seek the Lord for a direction for us at the beginning of the year. And this is our fourth Sunday traveling with Joshua. We have entitled it Turning North. And the reason for that is we found out geographically that when Israel crossed the, Red, uh, the Jordan River um, with Joshua in command, they traveled west, and then they had to, in order to get to everything else, turn north. And meaning it just kind of one of those things that helped us cause a memory that we might know something victorious. Ladies and gentlemen, I believe God has victory in store for his church. Pastor Gargo prayed this morning for our brothers and sisters over in Ukraine. We don't know what is going to transpire there, but I do know this. God already has a plan. Amen. So we've talked about we must prepare to move. We have to participate with God. God does not treat us like puppets and come and move us and do all these things. God gives us his word, gives us promises, and then we in faith act upon those things. We talked about preparing to move. Then we talked about preparing to see. And we, we went with the spies over to Jericho, and we looked at the building, we looked at the walls, we looked at the fortified city, we looked at the army, the warriors, and we saw all that, but one of the greatest things, they come back with a different eyesight, and it's a, it's a spirit eyesight that you and I should have. They all, they realized, came back with a great report. Yes, there are fortified cities. Yes, we know 40 years earlier there were giants. Yes, all the things that were negative and against us, but what they saw in the spirit world was God had already been there, and that entire nation is trembling. There's no... There's no courage in their hearts and God's supernatural provision for those spies. And all that was already, I want to tell you something, God's already out in front of us. And we should see that. I had some people still comment this morning. Last week, some of you couldn't see me. I snuck in up on the balcony over here, and I started the message of the microphone about coming down and walking among the people like Joshua did. And I got right here. We put the big water up there. And how many of you almost know it drowned me out? Walking up there to that water and saying, we are called to be crossover people. We are not called to be people who sit still. We are not idle. The world's too dark. There are too many souls. There's too many victories. We must decide and prepare to be crossover people. Today, we're going to talk about experience. Prepare to experience. And it is important. This, I was telling Pastor John in the office early this morning, this morning is probably a discipleship lesson. It's probably not have the dynamic of the rolling water we had last week. But I want you to follow with me, and please hear me on purpose. We must prepare our hearts, our minds, ourselves to experience God. I believe that we will be in heaven on purpose. 
I don't think we'll happen to be strolling somewhere and just, oh, guess where I am? I don't think so. There's so much, so much theology involved in that search. But Joshua 3, we're going to talk about experience. I want to declare that God can do anything, anytime, anywhere, in any way he pleases. That's the God that's omnipotent. And Joshua and Israel are discovering this firsthand. As we see him work among them, let us go back and realize prepare to move meant that God, even though they were in wilderness 40 years, God had not changed his mind. His will was the same. He made a promise to the patriarchs. Ladies and gentlemen, God will accomplish his will. And Joshua and them are, here we are, finding it out. Consider as throughout Scripture that there is not one thing that God cannot do for his children. Jesus said in Luke 137, with God, nothing is what? Nothing is impossible. I want us to just ask ourselves deep in our spirit and our, even our subconscious, do we believe with God that all things are possible? Do we really believe that all things are possible? Do we have a maybe or a perhaps, or do we believe that with God all things are possible? The reason I emphasize that is because Satan will tell you that God has done everything for everybody else and on and on, but not for you. I want to tell you, we have to be prepared people to experience God in our lives. We're going to talk about that. That's what today's about. Paul said Romans, marvelous chapter, Romans 8, 32. Watch this. Look at what he said about God. He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us. How shall he not with him, if he gave that much, which was his all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? However, I want to share something. In our weeks in preparing to move, preparing to see, and making a decision to be crossover people, there is the work of preparation that must take place in our lives. I've read it through the scripture many, many times. When God got ready to do something with Israel, regardless of which covenant they were with, they gave a two-word command at all times. We'll be, we'll be covering this in a week or two from now, but I want to share with you, God gave them a two-word command. Here is God fulfilling his promises. Here is God being the God of eternity. Here is God with everything he wants to accomplish in their lives. And by the way, God wants to accomplish something in your life and my life and this church while we're here. Amen. So I want to make this personal. This is not some history or, or just some philosophical concept. I want us to take this personally. There is a work of preparation that we have to do that has to take place in our lives. That two-word commandment every time that God began to work with people before we cross the Red Sea, before we cross the Jordan River, they're laughing because I always get Red Sea and Red River mixed up. <laughs> wow. 
No matter how I've tried for 35 years to correct it, it just gets there. He can part the Red River if he wants to. <laughs> that two-word command was this. Sanctify yourselves. Listen, God's not going to move without a clean army. God will not move forward without, without a purified, holy people. The last 40 years has proven that. Sanctify yourselves. I, I want to say this as kindly as I can, but if you want God to work in your life and you really want to see the miracles that God wants to do in your life and all the things that we do, we must be prepared to experience people. That means we have to go to the cross and die every day because the flesh resurrects itself every day. And we must go and die every day to be sanctified people because every work that God does is a pure, holy work. Now, I know he's used some pretty unlikelies. As a matter of fact, you're looking at one. But, and we're not perfect, but sanctified. We make an effort to be God's instruments in any way we can. That's the theme of being prepared. Ladies and gentlemen, to experience God at work in our lives, in our ministries, and for you and me to be a part of what God is doing in our day, it is something every one of us should desire but also something we must actively pursue. Joshua is our example. He's, he's our example of one willing to get ready to experience what God wanted to do in his life and those around him. I want to take some time this morning to talk about the activities and the characteristics of Joshua's life. And I want us to see ourselves there if we can. First of all, here's Joshua's preparing to experience God. Let me just ask us, how many of you want to really genuinely experience God in your life? I do. I hope we live hungry and thirsty for that. Notice this. First of all, Joshua gave himself completely to God's plan. Completely to God's plan. We love, we love Romans 8, 28, all things work together for good, but it doesn't mean for everybody. For good to those who love God, who are the called according to his will, his purpose. We must be sanctified. We must give ourselves completely to God's plan. Chapter 3, verse 1. Then Joshua rose early in the morning, and they set out from Acacia Grove and came to the Jordan. He and all the children of Israel and lodged there before they crossed over. So it was after three days that the officers went through the camp and they commanded the people saying, when you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God and the priests, the Levites bearing it, then you shall set out from your place. Give me those last three words. And, and what? And what? Go after it. Here's a man who was, first of all, committed to giving more than just what was required. Committed to give more than enough. I want to tell you, one of the greatest treasures on earth are people who are willing to do more than is required. I want to tell you, we have some of those here that are just awesome. 
no matter how many activities, no matter what the responsibilities, no matter how many times we get there, I thank God for some people who will go above and beyond the call of duty. Pastor, you don't have to ask. Here I am. I'm going to show up. I'm going to work. It is a pl- I, I say this in fun things. I think most people think there are elves in the church that does everything when you're gone. <laughs> Not true. Not true. Let's look at this man's commitment to Moses for a minute. As Moses ascended to Mount Sinai, let's go back in the history. We'll go, we'll go over to Exodus. Just watch his commitment above and beyond the call of duty. That, that's why for a while, ladies and gentlemen, we can be blessed, but comfortable Christianity is not going to be the lot most of our time because we face an enemy who's going to see that it's not. Exodus 24, let me just read for you. Exodus 24, verse 12. Listen to this. Then the Lord said to Moses, Come up to me on the mountain and be there, and I will give you tablets of stone and the law and the commandments which I have written that you may teach them. This is God having Moses come to the mountain to get the commandments. In chapter 32, just a page or two to the right. 32. I want to look at verse 17. And when Joshua heard the noise of the people as they shouted back down the mountain, he said to Moses, there is a noise of war in the camp. He stayed with Moses. Look at chapter 33, verse 11. So the Lord spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. And he would return to the camp, but his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, did not depart from the tabernacle. Young people, teenagers, I want you to know you're extremely important in the work of God in this very day. You may be the most important people there is right now on this planet. Dedicate your lives to the Lord. Obey your parents. Live in the balance and live in the truth of the eternal word of God. Do not let anyone despise your youth. I tell you, get on fire for the Lord because God usually builds a fire in the young people to move in the future. As Moses was meeting with God for that extended period of time, Joshua remained on the mountain waiting for Moses. I want to tell you something. Loyalty today is lacking. But I want you to know that I thank God for some staff here that is loyal, loyal, loyal. Listen, Martin's just told me he doesn't agree with everything I do. (laughs) And he's not going to. Because... He doesn't mind Janice. <laughs> I'm just teaching. I want to tell you, I have some very, very loyal staff. I know they don't agree with me about a lot of things. I know there's some quirks they just like to shake out of me or pinch out of me or something. But thank God for people who will put a cause higher than their comfort and say, we're going to serve the Lord and follow the leadership. How important is that, ladies and gentlemen? It it, it is a premium in the kingdom. How was he spending his time, Joshua? Maybe he attempted to turn around and go back to the camp. But the scripture says he remained with Moses. I asked the question, was he praying? Was he fasting? Through scripture, we don't know. But this much we do know. This young man, as an example,
and he kept that, and he kept him close to Moses. He was committed to giving more than enough. I want to tell you something. If you're committed to be more than enough, God will bless you with more than enough. All through the court of the scripture it's sown, what you reap, what you sow, it works negative, but it also works positive. And the more you invest in God, the more God invests in you. He's committed loyally. Secondly, he's committed to, don't miss this, long-term trust. I want to change the word long-term to patient trust. Will you say those two words with me? Patient trust. Committed to this long-term trust. Let's remember. Let's remember Joshua and Caleb had to wait 40 years to arrive at this occasion. 40 years. Knowing that God had promised and knowing that had Israel been obedient, they could have taken possession, but because of it, they waited for God's timing. Saints, ladies and gentlemen, young people, they waited 40 years. Today, we have trouble waiting 40 minutes, much less 40 years. I love you, but I want to tell you something. There's more... There's far more happens here than just what time we get out of service for, so you can have a hamburger. Joshua committed to long-term trust. I want to share this with you. Do not be impatient with God. Declare you're going to trust him for the long haul. Joshua committed to long-term trust. Thirdly, he committed to believing for fulfillment. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. He that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he's a good God. And God is a good God. How many of you know God will do what he says? Joshua had, was ready to respond to God's instruction. And Joshua responded quickly. Why? Because he was committed living life anticipating God's promises. I just brushed across it a while ago. I think God today in 2022 would have us, regardless of our age or our position in life, I believe God wants us to live hungry. I believe God wants us to live God thirsty. I think perhaps God may be shaking this country, if not this world, ladies and gentlemen, to get us back to a place where we realize that humanity in our greatest power and our greatest efforts and our greatest position, and Pastor prayed it a while ago, we don't have the answers. I want to tell you it is God who has the answers. And we have to believe that God is going to fulfill what he says and what he does and what he's promised. I was putting this sermon together several weeks ago, and the song got in my mind, he's never failed me, never failed me. The second thing about this man's characteristics is he faced obstacles confidently. Look at chapter 3, verse 1 again. If you will, it says, he came to the Jordan. One of the biggest fights of my life that I've faced all my life is inferiority. 
I want to tell you, this young man, he had followed a great leader. I mean, how would you like to follow Moses? That's why I pray for the guy who followed Pastor Cargill, Brother Wooten. He faced obstacles confidently. That was the obstacle, the river. He came to the Jordan. That was the obstacle that hindered the advance towards God's plan in his day. Yet in Joshua, all we see, ladies and gentlemen, is nothing but confidence. Because when you, we begin to prepare to experience and we leave our plans and we leave our mindset and we leave, frankly, can I say, our opinions and when we really die on the cross and we get our lives lined up with God's plans, I want to tell you, we can confidently travel with him because he is far greater than we are. And as last week becoming crossover people, we will face obstacles. I, I talked about facing those, those running, those swift waters, and we have to decide. And crossover times come to our lives. I mentioned many of them last week. But I want to pause in the middle of this message here, and I want to talk something about important things about obstacles. I wish I could tell you that I've lived confident all my life. I want to help us. I want to talk about obstacles just a minute. Number one, confidence knows there are no unknown obstacles with God. We don't know the future. That's why we confidently follow God's plan, because God knows the future. Doesn't he? God knows. Israel and Joshua are now following God's plan, not their own plan. God knew where the Jordan River was. He's the one that carved it. He spoke it into being. He knew all about it long before they ever hit planet Earth. God knew the time of the year. We talked about it at flood tide. Some 10 months out of the year, it would have been easy for them to cross. And we talked about last week, I love from one minister I heard and read in a commentary. He said, here they stand the, with the river totally out of its banks at flood tide because of the melting snow out of Lebanon and all the rainy season. Here they are, boatless Hebrews. Sometimes we feel like we don't have a boat, don't we? He knew where all that was. He knew it was flood tide. God knew Israel had to cross the river. And God, hear me, had already had a solution to that obstacle. I want to tell you something. God already has a solution to the obstacle you're facing and the obstacle I'm facing. God has already has a solution. That's one thing about a, an obstacle. Secondly, confidence is required as we face our obstacles. One of the things that changed my life years ago, I still struggle with my battle. But someone said these words, when God asks you to do it, if you're afraid, do it afraid. Frankly, most of my life I've done most of it afraid. But I want to tell you, God is a faithful God. 
God can and he desires to defeat those things that stand in our way. But we cannot defeat, listen to me, we cannot defeat things that we do not face. You cannot defeat what you're unwilling to face. Let me meddle a minute. A lot of people make excuses. I've heard them in 44 plus years of ministry. Well, if we're having this much trouble, we must have made a mistake. I want to tell you, it's one thing to fight something in the natural, like, you know, you have a water leak in the house and you have to mop the thing and get a plumber and fix it, but it's another thing to have to do spiritual warfare in the supernatural. Can I just tell you, having, since you're having so much trouble, you think there may be a mistake, can I suggest you might actually be having trouble because you're a threat to the kingdom of Satan? I've said it before, and I mean it. I don't see anywhere in Scripture where I'm supposed to be afraid of the devil. Because greater is he that's within me than he that's within this world. I understand the position, and I know how it was in Daniel. Dare not bring a railing accusation against it. But I want to tell you, he said, the Lord, the Lord power over you. And ladies and gentlemen, we don't live this life in our power and our authority. We live this life in the power and the authority of the finished work of Jesus Christ. And he said, I take my authority and give it to you. Listen, don't just look at it negatively. Say, I'm having all this trouble, may have made a mistake. If you think that, go pray about it. But let me tell you, if God doesn't show you that, you need to be bold and say, I want Satan to get all the demons up every day and say, get ready, guys. He's up again. Some, some tried to work out some solutions. And I told you I'm going to meddle here. And frequently, I do counseling and I love it. I, that's one of, the, that's one of the, my favorite things to do because I like to try to see where Satan's working and see if we can be willing and place things in a right perspective and see it from God's Word and God's design and I'll, sometimes things get over my head, and I've sent many people to counselors and who will pinpoint the problem. And the next thing I hear is something like this, and I've heard it hundreds of times, if I might say it. Send people to counseling, and next thing you know, they'll say, well, I'm not going back. Pastor sent me to somebody, and all they did was say everything was my fault. Well, for one thing, let me just share something with you. There's two or three certified counselors in this room, and I just want to tell you something. It's never 100% and 0%. Can I be honest with you? Some of it is you. <laughs> well, all they do is everything's my fault. Everybody, can I just stop and say how the love of God, if you are having problems in a marriage, in finance, and wherever, with, wherever it is, can you just get real with God and face whatever it is and let the Holy Spirit do something in your life miraculously? I will tell you this, God always honors humility. You seek him with a whole heart. You'll find God. 
The Jordan River, hear me, was no mistake. And wandering around was Israel's doings. But in God's plan, these things became God's opportunity to see, these people's opportunity to see what God was capable of doing. I want to tell you something. He demonstrated his power was bigger than that obstacle. God's power is bigger than the Jordan River, and it's bigger than what you're facing. Amen. Amen. Thirdly, today I want to talk about this man, Joshua, had confidence in facing obstacles demonstrates our trust. Folks, there is nothing that God does not know, and he provides a solution, I want to say again, to every obstacle. I love the old hymn, Trust and Obey. God provides it. The third thing I want to say about this man is he waited for clear directions. Chapter 3, verse 2, so it was for these three days. I have read several authors who've written about these three days. The three days of the delay and the spies returning. The three days of Israel being camped on the way, east side of the Jordan. I don't know. I've wondered what might have been going on those three days. The Bible doesn't specifically say, but I will tell you this, we can draw some reliable conclusions. Remember, they had waited for 40 years. They were wholly now committed. So he was. Three things I want to say quickly. Doing what was, I believe, Joshua doing. He was committed to Moses. He was committed to God. In three days, I'm speculating, but I think it's probably accurate. I think he was doing what he was accustomed to doing. I think he was praying. I think he was trusting. I think he was faithing it. We've heard forever about the noun faith. I think we ought to produce something with the verb faith. Faith it. I think he was doing what he was customary to do. Listen, it's always the right time to pray and trust. I love the hymn, Trust and Obey. Secondly, I think Joshua was following what he was instructed. Could I just tell you, Joshua, chapter 1, verse 8 and 9, listen to this. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it, for then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong of good courage. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Trust and obey. Then I want to look at the instructions in chapter 3. Look at this. Chapter, verse 10. And Joshua said to the people, By this you shall know that the living God is among you, and that he will without fail drive out from before you. I heard a commentator years and years ago call it all the Ite brothers. <laughs> He will drive out before you the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Perizzites, the Girgashites, the Amorites, and the Jebusites, the Ite brothers. 
Watch this, though. Behold, this is what you really should pay attention to. The Ark of the Covenant, don't miss these words, the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord of all the earth is crossing over before you into the Jordan. Now, therefore, take yourselves 12 men of the 12 tribes of Israel, no one, one man from every tribe, verse 13, and it shall come to pass as soon as the soles of the feet of the priest who bear the ark of the Lord, watch it again, the Lord of all the earth shall rest in the waters of Jordan, that the waters of the Jordan shall be cut off, the waters that come down from the upstream, and they shall stand as a heap. And what Joshua was doing those three days, I think he was trusting in God. He was waiting on clear direction. The last thing about it I want to say is he was expecting what he knew God would give. The last point is this, and I'll be through. He responded with great expectation. I doubt if it excites the angels much when we go, well, I know God said this, and yeah, I know God said that, and you know, Pastor, I know God helped me over here, and when I was here, he helped me back then, and I know all that, but I'm not sure about today. I think when we're in the will of God and following God, we ought to be expectant people. He responded, Joshua responded with great expectation. Let me put it very plainly. Joshua is ready. He has prepared. He knew what God wanted to do. He knew God had appointed him the leader. He knew what he and Israel had to do. And when he, when he got the final directions, he went, great expectation. Prove it, Pastor. I'm going to read verse 17. Then the priests who bore the ark of the covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the midst of the Jordan, and all Israel crossed over on dry ground ground until all the people had crossed completely over the Jordan. If you think that there was an excitement about that anticipation and expectation, your exciter is broken. I'll tell you what let's do. Let's just mentally get on the east side of that Jordan, about 1.5 million. We've got everything we have with us. Every possession we possibly have, our, our wives, our children, our husbands, our family, maybe wagons, I don't know, the caravans, maybe burden, the beasts, beasts of burden. I, I don't know what all they had. But we see the priests and we watch that ark and suddenly we're taking our families and everything we own in the middle of a raging river that by all means except the mighty hand of God would destroy us. And they were excited about it. Don't, listen, I, I think it was miraculously exciting to walk on dry ground when that water stood up in a heap. How many of you know that literally physically happened? Don't tell me there wasn't, can I just be totally honest? Don't tell me there wasn't goosebumps all over your body when you see water piled 100 maybe feet tall and it's sitting there, won't come down because the hand of God said, stay there. And I think it would have been exciting. Well, next week we'll talk about some other things, but imagine this. When God turned it loose, can you imagine? I think that was a testimony to say, I have totally, miraculously, purposely 
cared for you, and I've got you to this point. Now keep trusting me. That's why it's important to go back and hear what God and see what he's done for us. How many in this room God has kept you and he's done miraculous things for you? How many of us can testify God is a faithful God? He is a faithful God. Why are we going to doubt him again? Let's live if this man's characteristic of expectation of we're following the Lord. God's going to do something we can't explain. He was ready. He had become a crossover leader, and the crossover people walked in divine protection. These crossover people walked on dry ground. In the midst of flood tide, these crossover people took that step, and they experienced what God would do in their lives, just as he has done for their families and those who were come out of Egypt. Ladies and gentlemen, God wants to do as much, if not more, in 2022 than he's ever done on this planet, because I believe it's coming to a close. Generation 2022. I believe that was an experience of a lifetime to walk on ground, dry ground in the middle of a river, to step your foot onto the promised land. I can't imagine what that must have been like. My thought, if God can do this, if we can walk on dry ground, if God can push that water back, if he can miraculously protect us, Then Jordan and Canaan and Jericho and all there is is ours. I wonder what it is that we haven't received because we haven't trusted or because we let Satan make us wander around a mountain for 40 years. Can I put this in simple terms? I think when after that generation died, I think God said, Joshua, wake up. You guys have wandered around this mountain long enough. It's time to move. It's time to move. Time to see the future in a whole different way. I told you a story last week about a guy who had his wife and his Sister-in-law never married, and so she lived with him for 50 years. When he got to heaven, he got to the gate, opened it up to his mansion. The whole room was stacked full of boxes. And he said to the angel or whoever, what's this? And he said, this is all the things God wanted to give you, but you didn't ask for it. And he saw this great big box over there, and he said, what is that big box? And he said, that was a husband for your sister-in-law you never asked for. It's humorous. But I wonder if we could take the measure of it. I wonder what God would like to do for us. I wonder what miracle God would have for you and your marriage and your family and your finance and all that if we had the characteristics of Joshua. And listen, he was just a human being, but he was an obedient man. I want us to live hungry and expectation. Can we take just a moment, and I'll be through, just a moment. What is it that you would just absolutely love, that you feel is the 
most pressing need that you have? What is the thing that you may feel like has been 40 years coming, so to speak? What is the thing that you need? I think it's time to believe God and trust Him in the long term. I want us to make a commitment this morning here in this sanctuary and online. I want us to commit to the Lord to long-term trust. Long-term trust. Long-term trust. Don't be impatient with God. 